Hey everyone, this is Jazz's online editor Matt Micucci and you're listening to Jazz's Travel. Everybody and welcome to the first episode of a brand new podcast series called Jazz is Travel. This is a new series hosted by yours truly, Jazz's online editor Matt Micucci, that aims to broaden conversations about jazz and creative music at large, conceptually inspired by the act of traveling, both geographically and metaphorically. For example, in this series you may hear conversations with people talking about the significance of jazz as a music, as a movement, as an art form, as a culture in various parts of the world. You may hear conversations with artists exploring and paying homage to folk music traditions of different countries and different cultures. We'll be talking about multicultural projects, thoughts and ideas. And as far as this concept goes, I could think of few better places to start than by speaking about the wonderful label Habibi Funk. You may be familiar with them. This is a label based in Berlin, Germany that is dedicated to re-releasing music from the Arab-speaking world that has historically never existed as a music genre. Let me explain. Much of its music, in fact, transcends easy categorization. A lot of them are songs that were written and recorded by artists during times of war others in times of exile. This is music that mixes local and regional influences with musical interests that came from outside the region, playing creatively with such genres as funk, rock, soul, and of course, jazz. The music comes from such places as Lebanon, Algeria, Morocco, and several other countries. Habibi Funk's latest release is a compilation of works by singer-songwriter Roger Fakir from the 70s. The record is called Fine Anyways, and I'm sure that to many listening, it'll be a revelation. We just listened to one of its tracks, How To Come Back Wet, and I think it sounds awesome. Habibi Funk's music has often remained unheard for several years and is reissued after a very small original circulation numbers in unreliable media like homemade cassette tapes. In fact, one of the great things about the label is their great work of preservation. Anyways, to tell us more about this amazing label is the founder himself, Janis Sturz. But first, let me tell you that today's episode of Jazz is Travel is brought to you in part by NAD Electronics. NAD is renowned for its award-winning line of components for audio and home theatre, which includes amplifiers, receivers, and turntables. To better care for your vinyl collection, NAD recommends storing your records vertically in a cool, dry place to prevent warping. Sign up now at nadelectronics.com forward slash jazz's turntable contest for your chance to win this month's prize. Who knows, maybe this very special jazz's turntable from NAD Electronics will be the place that you'll be able to listen to Habibi Funk Records on in the near future because I am almost certain that you're going to want to check out their catalogue after listening to this chat with its founder, Janis Sturz. So without further ado, sit back, relax and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. 
Hi, Yanis. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a very pleasure, Yanis. Uh, we're going to be talking about your label, Habibi Funk, uh, which I am totally fascinated with. Uh, but just to introduce it a little bit, I was wondering whether we could start real easy. And would you be able to tell us a little bit about the label, maybe about its history and, and mission statement, so to speak? The label started maybe with the first release five or six years ago. Um, I'm always really bad in remembering exact <laughs> times and uh, dates, but yeah, something like that. Um, and it was basically birthed out of a coincidence. I was involved in running a record label before. One of the artists from from said label um, played a gig in Morocco at a big festival. I came along, found some records I really liked. Um, and then when I got home, quite quickly realized that when you try to find out anything about the recordings or the artists, and no matter whether you Google in Arabic or Latin letters, most of the artists were kind of not introduced into the digital age. And then I did a mix uh, for back then SoundCloud was still a thing. Um, and there was like really positive feedback. A lot of people seemed to be interested. And I guess because we were already running a label and therefore we kind of I guess had a level of experience when, when it came to the technical aspects of like distribution and manufacturing. I guess it was a bit easier for us to say, well, let's maybe start a label that is dedicated to like a particular sound from, from, from North Africa and the Middle East. And yeah, since then we've put out 15 releases. Always try to have them come out with like extensive booklets, liner notes, interviews. So we're always trying to contextualize the music as much as possible which goes as far as we've also done some short movies about some of the artists um we've produced a big exhibition about an algerian artist we work with in in algiers two years ago and yeah and it's uh so it's still something we do and it's under the same umbrella as the aforementioned other label called jakarta records um so basically it's one company and you have habibi funk and jakarta records under under the same umbrella. Right. So the idea was really to find, to discover these uh, North African musical treasures and hidden gems of the Arab world. So you talked about you discovering Moroccan music at first, and that was sort of the music that inspired you to start a BB Funk, right? I mean, what, what, one thing is uh, that, that we kind of, I guess, me being like a, a f a foreigner and and a guest to the as a german dude to to the musical culture we're dealing with uh we we always try to be sensitive to certain issues so one of the things funny enough that i dropped quite quickly is calling it discovered which i know is a lingo that is very common in like the the crate digger context and i would say that as well even if i like find a record on the flea market that maybe few people know about but someone a uh, friend of mine pointed out that it's a bit problematic being the white dude talking about discovered in the case of non-western music and making the fair analogy of of it somehow being like Christoph Columbus discovering Latin America. Um, having said that, um, yeah, Moroccan music definitely um, was a starting point. Um, but not Moroccan music in general. I guess one of the, the, the common, uh, one of the misunderstandings I try to avoid of having is that what we do as a label is really not trying to give a full-on reflection of 
the musical scene, let's say in Casablanca in the 1970s, whatever we're usually interested in is the type of music that was probably already considered underground, niche, special interest, even back when it was recorded. So, uh, I mean, even though funk is kind of in the name of the label, that is not all that we're going for. But I think if I would, if one would ask me to like summarize what the, the music we are interested in in the label is about, I guess it's usually music that was done by artists that brought together local influences with influences coming from outside. And that may very well be like Afro-American genres like soul, funk, jazz, disco, but like for example, some of the, the, the Sudanese reissues we did, um, you, you probably hear more of a Congolese and Ethiopian influence than the, than the North American, uh, references. But yeah, I guess basically whenever there's this, this fusion, um, even though I've, I've fusion, not a f- big fan of the word in that context, but whenever there's different styles and influences that come together, this is the type of music we like. And that, that was the same case in Morocco where, um, to come back to the question, uh, the first artist was Fadul, who was a Moroccan singer who was very influenced by like American rock and funk music. And that he, he commonly adapted like the, the, the sound or like the, the melodies, but the lyrics are not translations, but basically most of them don't have anything to do with the lyrics of the original pieces. Um, and yeah, a lot of his music is very wild and you can see it's a lot of it is done one take in the studio where you get the idea that everyone was on some kind of substance and it has that very fun, high energy feel to it. Right. Yeah. And when I, and when I did mention the, the term discovery was that also because a lot of this music w- would have been considered underground music, even back at the time when it was released, I heard that some of your, the music that, that you guys re- release or reissue was originally part of like a few limited number of cassette tapes, which also kind of uh, is fascinating to me because there's gotta be, it's almost like a, and and again, I apologize if the term is not correct, no, but no, it's almost right. like an investigator's uh, work. You know, you go out there and and you're just finding all these things, and uh, and I wonder what whether it's all spontaneously done, and what's the process there. Um, I mean, the cassette tape ones you might have in mind is but the two Lebanese reissues we did, um, Isam Hajali and uh, Ojez album, which came out two weeks ago. And funny enough, they were also buddies. Um, so Roger played on Isam's record. And to this day, they are still friends. And actually, it was Isam who at some point mentioned his friend's music. And I should check it out that I'll probably be interested in it. And yeah, both of these releases, I think, were done in a run of nobody exactly remembers, but in between like 50 to 100 cassette tapes um, that were not even probably manufactured, but like hand copied was like hand-painted cover sleeves and I guess in those cases it was a mixture of the music being for a more special interest niche group of people and then in in their case additionally it was also during the the Lebanese civil war uh quite in the beginning of it so even a city like 
Beirut was fragmented into different parts. You couldn't move from the east to the west part and vice versa most of the time. So the potential group of people you could sell your records to was by definition very limited. And I think that is being reflected in, in, in the fairly small numbers of tapes that were circulated at the time. And both cases, uh, it's literally coming from the only surviving cassette tape coffees because in both cases, the master tapes also didn't survive. So yeah, the, the, it, it, luck is definitely oftentimes a factor. Um, but then also creating networks. I mean, establishing relationships with the music, um, with the musicians we work with. And usually or quite often they're also the best source of information for other music that we might be interested in. And in the particular case you, you referenced, that was definitely what happened. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of like why I think what you're doing is so important is because it's also a work of preservation. I wonder whether you see it that way too. Um, yeah, preservation and archiving is, is an aspect of it. It's not the driving aspect. I think it's, it's, I mean, we are a record label. We put out music, we promote it, we sell it. Uh, we represent artists. Um, but I think because of the particular framework of what we do, it automatically has, it has side effects. There's like, archival set there's like an archiving that goes on of recordings that are endangered to be forgotten about um and there, there there's a lot of stories that are endangered to have, to have the same face um and it obviously also has like political connotations um but that is all just like side are products from from what we do essentially and that is being a record label but did you have a personal connection to uh north africa i mean i had been to morocco before but no not 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 the biographical one and mm. not even the to the extent that i used to go there every year to travel or whatever no it was really like the starting point was the music since then, obviously, I've gone a lot of times. I also started DJing this type of music. Um, so I also used to go to, to cities like Beirut, Tunis, Cairo, Casablanca quite frequently, um, to DJ before all of the Corona thing happened. Uh, but yeah, no, previous to that, there were, there, I didn't have any special kind of relationship. It was really triggered by, by the music. That, so the uh, music was the, the way that you were able to connect also to all of these different cultures. You, you mentioned that you are originally from Germany so I mean that goes to show as well how important music is to sort of establish those cultural bridges yeah no definitely I mean um and that's why like the I, I mentioned the discovery example I think doing what I do and being like a, a white dude from Germany kind of puts a special responsibility on how we approach things and I might still end up um, and we might still up, end up in a scenario where people dislike what we do f just for for the fact that it's done by someone coming from the outside but I think for a lot of people it's it um, outside of that it is actually of importance of how we approach this aspect of it and um, yeah and it's 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 a very I, I think it's an important type of exchange but and therefore it's also important of how we do it and therefore this is definitely a part of the time we are dedicating and investing is also 
always thinking and questioning and reflecting about the the how-to part. And what has been the response uh, from the artists that you approached uh, about what the work that you do and about releasing their music? Um, I guess the majority kind of surprise. I mean, it's um, mm. because the, the most of the artists we deal with, it's, it's not necessarily the type of artists that have been getting a lot of these type of opportunities or requests and then um for a lot of them it's it's kind of initially i guess weird um um <laughs> with i guess a positive undertone that someone is coming and is interested in their music that they recorded 40 years ago but sometimes it's also it's it's also i think it's also um something that is like reassuring for them i mean i recall there's this egyptian composer we work with hani schnoda and he said he always felt like he was ahead of time and therefore people didn't get it back then and the fact that 45 years later the music gets re-released kind of is like a late triumph for him because it kind of confirms his his idea that he had that he was just too progressive with what he was trying to do and uh yeah but in general everyone is really happy it, it's it rarely has happened that well, i don't even recall at all um that yeah. um artists were not interested in doing anything with the music and you know that's interesting what you just said there as well because we kind of touched on it earlier but you know, the terms that we use to define certain musics like uh, funk or soul or jazz, obviously, we're jazz is, so we have a special interest in jazz, but they mean different things in these countries. And, you know, who's, who's to say who's right or wrong? It doesn't really matter. They're just words, in my opinion, you know, at the end of the day. But, for example, you did mention Sudanese jazz, which uh, was is, is fascinating because I found out from one of your releases from last year, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Sher Habil Ahmed, that made the point that West, the Western idea of jazz has little in common with Sudanese jazz, right? Yeah, um, they kind of, and to this day, nobody could, I mean, there's theories going around, but nobody really seemed to have the without, without a doubt explanation. But um, the local scene kind of started running with, with calling things jazz even though it's it it sounds different um to what we know as jazz it's much more rock and rollish funk in influenced um and then you also hear like congolese influences uh especially in in this type of sudanese music and yeah but they they still they still always called it sudanese jazz even though sonically it's kind of different um they even had competitions like Sharabil that you mentioned he's actually the king of sudanese jazz so at some point in the, in the 70s they had a competition and he was crowned the king of sudanese jazz and <laughs> amir the the band leader of the scorpions which is another sudanese jazz release we put out he uh was second so he's the prince of sudanese jazz um, and i think that kind of that uh, event has since then uh, been set in stone like the competition was not uh, I guess the, the, the way how monarchy works uh, they didn't have to reapply for the position every year but they kind right, of yeah. kept that kept that trophy <laughs> that's a great title to have yeah definitely
The track you're listening to is from another great Habibi funk release and it is by Ahmed Malik, an Algerian musician composer known primarily for his groundbreaking soundtrack work. In fact, this particular song is from the third Habibi funk release titled Musique Originelle de Film, compiling some of his film music work, combining Arabic traditions with jazz, psychedelic rock and funky R&B. Just one of the many great records released on this label in its short but intense and of course ongoing history. But without further ado, here is more from my conversation with Habibi Funk founder Yanis Sturz. Also, we briefly talked about maybe the the political connotations of some of this music. Uh, would you say that some of the music that you've released would have been considered controversial, uh, maybe even rebellious to some extent? Yeah, that that is one aspect of it. Um, and let's say someone like Fadul, um, like some of his lyrics are, tri- are about like depression, trying to not drink the next day, um, trying to not get a high. So definitely topics that were probably not that common as uh, song lyrics in, in Morocco in the 1970s. But I think then it's also um, the political aspect is I think also much linked to the the western perception of this music and a lot of the countries where the music is coming from i mean i still remember when when like i had one of my f- first bigger interviews for like national french t- uh, radio and it was a show dedicated to music for coming from all around the world so definitely an open-minded person doing the interview but literally the first question he asked me was like uh, isn't it super dangerous to, to, go, to go to all of these countries and look for music and it's like no probably I mean probably as dangerous as walking through Paris at night um, yeah, but exactly. um, <laughs> but it, it and that is just a very trivial example of, of, of something that goes much deeper and like and I think some of that music does kind of touch certain stereotypical ideas of what constitutes culture in a lot of the countries where the music is coming from. And obviously, this is just a very, very tiny piece of a much larger puzzle. Uh, but yeah, they, I, it, it, it does connect to some of these questions. Yeah. And, and I mean, regarding that question, I've always been, been of the, uh, the opinion that there's dangerous streets everywhere, no matter what part of the world where you live. And, uh, and also, likewise, there's beautiful things to find out about in just about any country. And actually, that's kind of the, the, the idea behind this show is that I'm perfectly aware of the fact that uh, we even we at jazz is but also all of the media kind of only have this western perspective of what music should be it's amazing all of these top 10 lists of music that only feature english language music for example sure uh, it's very strange and and so a, a label like yours 
definitely contributes to providing a much larger idea of what music means in the world and all of the different musics and the ways in which it operates even within social constructs. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, it is again just a tiny piece of a puzzle because obviously what we're, um, the, the music we're highlighting is, is by no means representative of the music of the countries or the cities where the individual artist is coming from. But yeah, it's, it's kind of, um, a small aspect of painting or of, of giving access to, um, music that might not be in, 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 in the public's perception, uh, when let's say thinking of Beirut. And yeah, um, and it's, I, I mean, for us, it's been a, it's been a really great journey because when we started, we wouldn't have anticipated that there would be so much interest in, in this type of music. And I mean, I think also for the artists, it's sometimes astonishing that they have this tape that they sold 100 copies of. And luckily at this point, we are, the label is in a, in a position where, we start with an initial pressing of like 2000 vinyl copies that are probably gone within the first three or four months. I mean, and even though these numbers still suggest that we are working in a niche, you can also see how luckily we managed to create a platform that it does quite well in amplifying certain sounds that we like. Um, and, uh, yeah, in the process also give opportunities to the artists we work with. And, and is that your favorite format? Like vinyl? Uh or do you have any preferences in those terms? No, and I'm also luckily not the type of, I mean, oh, sorry, vinyl is obviously my favorite format, but I'm luckily also not, I mean, and I, I'm luckily not one of the, and I say luckily, because sometimes I feel like it's a bit limiting when people only listen to vinyl. But, um, I, I, I also enjoy using Spotify. We actually put a lot of energy in like doing Spotify playlists and all of that. Um, because there's no way around these, these, these ways of consuming music these days. So my personal format is vinyl. Um, for a lot of the research and digging, I've gotten a lot into cassette tapes as well, because there's a lot of music. And I think the age of cassette tapes globally is interesting because it, it um, they gave a democratic push to the ability of releasing music. Um, when vinyl was the only format to go, you kind of automatically had a barrier that kept a lot of bands out because it was very expensive. A lot of countries didn't have pressing plans, so you had to produce abroad. So manufacturing for like your little band that did like this weird sound that nobody really got was probably not going to happen. Whereas cassette tapes made that much more of a realistic option. So a lot of musically interesting projects came out on cassette that probably might have not made it in the vinyl age. Um, mm. But yeah, other than that, I pretty much like all formats apart from CDs, which I don't care much about. Yeah, I mean, I agree that I listen to all formats, whatever way, you know, I can, li I can listen to music in any format, vinyl, cassette, digital. I think digital allows you to be curious. And if you really get passionate about something that I wouldn't mind getting also the vinyl record of whatever record I've discovered via Spotify and other things like that. Although I must say though, and, and maybe you'll agree with me in saying it, that it's not perfect. Uh, a, a site like Spotify, for example, I think you hinted at it earlier. Uh, it makes it difficult to 
find music from uh, countries where, for example, the type uh, face fonts are different or just it's not the um, uh, Western alphabet that is used. It's another form. And so for someone who is not from there, who's looking for something not just in the Arab world, but also from China or other places or <laughs> Russia, it can be incredibly tri- uh, tricky to actually find that. Yeah, I mean, most, and I think by now they they might even force you to, but I mean, a lot of the Arabic music is actually uploaded to Spotify and Co. with Latin letters. But because there is no, basically, if you have an Arabic name, there's different ways to dis- transcribe it into Latin letters. Let's say Fadul has five different spellings of his own names on the releases he released while he was still alive. <laughs> so um, it gives you, and then you end up having to try a lot of different spellings if you look for a particular artist on Spotify. So even if Arabic gets transcribed into Latin letters, that does not necessarily make it easier to find the music on Spotify. Um, But yeah, I mean, that is also one of the reasons why we invest a lot of time into like playlists and all of that, because a lot of people who don't want to do that research, they can just follow a playlist and they don't have to bother with finding the music themselves. Um, that's a good point yeah so yeah that's that's something which we are trying to to use because i mean you also know how spotify works so unless you have like six digit numbers on of plays on a single track it's not like there's relevant amounts of money coming coming out of it so um Uh, yeah. yeah so i mean we talked about a little bit because obviously we we could talk for for forever about that i mean at least i could i'm definitely appreciating you taking the time to talk with me uh we talked about some of the political aspects some of the geographical aspects and cultural aspects of the movie uh i said movie but music uh uh, but I wanted to ask you, Yanis, how much of that, how much pleasure do you take from just sharing something that you just love with the rest of the world and that is not known as much? Do you do you take pleasure in just simply doing that? No, like, uh, yeah, I, I think that comes back to the to what I said that essentially we are a record label, and that's what we do. I mean, all of the all of the the whatever we else we discussed is 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 definitely side effects or aspects of it that are important but i mean essentially the the what drives the whole operation is trying to amplify music that we at habibi funk like and that we feel more people should hear and um that is definitely the 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 driving force behind the the label as is no no definitely and so okay so finally i wanted to definitely dedicate some time to uh your latest release the label's latest release uh i think it's only been out for a few days now at the time of recording this this uh, interview it's called fine anyway but uh would you be able to tell us a little bit about it about the artist uh, Ro- roger fakir right yeah, he he was the one I mentioned before. He plays on Nisam Hajali's album that we put out last year, or maybe one and a half years. Well, some time ago. And um, they ki- kind of come from the same clique of musicians. Um, and Roger was... Uh, did a lot of studio work and live show work for for uh, Ziad Rahbani and Ferouz. Ferouz being like probably the the most iconic and most famous Arab female voice still alive. 
he at, at some point i mean he always recorded his own music as well but like i said was very very limited distribution and in the mid 80s the war in lebanon was approaching 10 years um he went to tour the usa with ferus playing in a band and at the end of the tour he just decided to not go home um and since then he's he lives outside of san francisco and um yeah it's like at some point when i had met isam he told me about his music and said he's 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 so great you should check him out and whoever you meet in lebanon also ziad rahbani um like everyone speaks in like the highest highest praises about roger but nobody kind of knew him out of this outside of the circle of of musicians in in beirut and then yeah we reached out to him and then in the beginning he was a bit hesitant because he said a lot of the music was obviously recorded at at i guess times of of war and everything so i think it's also yeah probably connected with memories that are not so nice but then eventually he decided to to go for it and i think now he's been really happy with with a lot of the feedback he's he's gotten actually we've gotten a lot of good press for it um a lot of radio support and i mean when you listen to the music it it more i i would say it sounds more like california where he lives now than it sounds like beirut where he recorded it so it has this folk with like touches of soul and jazz vibe to it um yeah that is very reminiscent of like some of the 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 american artists of the 1970s but at the same time none of it is covered it's all his compositions he wrote the music um and it's very unique music and yeah we're really happy to be able to put it out to me it also feels particularly powerful for it to come out at this time because uh, of course it hasn't been that long since the explosion of the port in Beirut, which is very tragic. And I think something like this definitely helped. I mean, definitely. And, and, and I mean, the, the, the moment where also we, we started actually working was when two day, like the day after the explosion, we thought about what can we do? And then we started reaching out to a lot of the Lebanese old artists we know, and we put together an EP who's which was just a digital release and we put it together and within 24 hours and Roger was part of it and then the money we raised from it which was like 20,000 US dollars went to the Lebanese Red Cross um mm. and that was also the starting point of us and Roger actually starting to work so it is actually connected with that tragedy but in this case it it yeah it triggered something positive Definitely. So, Yanis, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us uh, about this uh, amazing label, Habibi, Habibi Funk. Just a final thing, if anyone wants to keep up with whatever is happening with the label and all of the news, what's the best way that they can do that? Um, I mean, musically, there's a bunch of Spotify playlists that we also mirror on Apple Music, and we're trying to add some of the more of um of the smaller um dsps as well um and then social media wise we're just the most active on instagram everything else we try to keep up with but instagram is kind of the thing we use the most so if you type in habibi funk on instagram you you'll see it pop up right there exactly awesome cool. all right yanis it's been a pleasure thank you very much thank you for having me
audiophile, we have come to the end of our first episode of Jazz is Travel. I hope you enjoyed our chat about the amazing Habibi Funk label. Don't forget the label recently released an LP compiling works by Roger Fakir called Fine Anyways. If you're lucky, as you're listening to this, you may still be able to get your hands on a vinyl copy of it, if they haven't been sold out, that is. But anyways, if it hasn't been sold out, it's available on Bandcamp. But there's also great music that you can check out besides that, including such bands as Sudanese band The Scorpions, one of whose tracks from the Habibi Funk release called Jazz 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 you just listen to right now. And of course, while I'm at it, let me remind you that today's episode of Jazz is Travel is brought to you in part by NAD Electronics. NAD is renowned for its award-winning line of components for audio and home theatre, which includes amplifiers, receivers and turntables. To better care for your vinyl collection, NAD recommends storing your records vertically in a cool, dry place to prevent warping. Sign up now at nadelectronics.com forward slash Jazz's Turntable Contest for your chance to win this month's prize. And that's all from me for this week. Next week, there will be a special edition of our fabled crate digging series outlining some of this month's top releases. If you'd like to take a sneak peek at what albums we'll be mentioning on that show, you can check out our site where you'll be able to find that article there as well as many other articles about some great music currently out there that you can discover in your personal jazz and music venture. But till the next time, stay healthy, stay safe, stay strong, stay audiophile. <laughs>